if you could turn to the sermon section, I am going to do something that I do not do normally. That is to talk about practical things about personal piety. And I have probably family's piety and the church's piety in mind in next couple of weeks. I just don't know at this point. But today I want to talk about personal piety. When you think about Christian life, there should be, for every Christian, at least these three built in in your Christian life for you to grow, for you to live a life that glorifies our triune God. And three things come to my mind. At least these three. There are more to it, but three. First one is persistent personal reading of God's written word with understanding. Second would be listening, remembering, and applying God's preached word. And third would be private personal prayer in secret. Right, so those are the three building blocks for a Christian piety. Why do we need to read God's word? Why do we need to hear God's word? And why do we need to pray? If you would ask me, because I would say, it is so that you could love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is not because I have to, but those things will help you grow. Grow in what? Grow in knowledge and grace of God, but also for the love for God. When you think about it, it has to, to love God, it has to begin with the knowledge of God. You cannot simply love God. You have to know something about that God, who He is and what He has done. And where do we get that information from the Word of God? So the knowledge of God is the first step. And as you read and study and know more about God from the Word of God, your affection is roused toward that God. Your love for that God is increased as you read, as you know more about our God. So knowledge of God and then the love of God. And with that love of God, then your life, the way you live your life, will be focused into the glory of God. Your will, when you make choices, life choices, your will will be bent toward the glory of God because every decision is made for a reason that springs from one's already determined inclinations. Basically, you will do what you love to do. And to live a life that glorifies God, you have to love God in order for you to make decisions that will glorify God because you will only do the things that you like to do, you love to do. And the object of your love should be the triune God. So, we start from the knowledge of God, then the love for God, of God, 
And then the will, your personal will, as you live your life. So those things are the three things. And in order for us to have that, we need to go back to the persistent. I could have said the consistent, but you understand why I said persistent. Persistent, personal reading of God's written word with understanding is required. Last week, if you re- will recall, 1 Corinthians 1.18 that is printed for you, if you would look at it. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, the word of the cross is who are being saved. It is the power of God, it said. Remember that? He could have said, Jesus is the power of God. He could have said, the resurrection is the power of God. Or he could have said, the cross is the power of God. But what does it say? It says, for the word of the cross is foolishness, and at the same time, power for those of us who are being saved. The word of the cross, why? Because the background is Greek oratory skills. So the word of the cross... The way you talk about the word of the cross, the preaching of it, reading of it. That is why the word of the cross. But at the same time, what is undergirding this statement is the understanding of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the power of God is almost always associated with the word of God. Just think about this creation, his power to create. Then God does what? Then God said, let there be light. There was light. Creation, the power to create, is associated with God's word. He speaks. As God is the Lord of the history, in his providence, he says in Isaiah 55, so is my word that goes forth from my mouth, It will not return to me void or empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. What will accomplish that? The Word will accomplish what He desires in His providence. And you know, Ezekiel 37, that vision of God that Ezekiel had seen in reviving the spiritually dead Israelites, God says there was a valley full of dry bones, remember. And God asked him, Ezekiel, the question, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Ezekiel answered, Oh Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, God said to him, What does he say? Prophesy. Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. So right. So for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but the word of the cross is power of God to those of us who are being saved because the gospel of Christ on the cross is that which accomplishes what God desires for the sinners. His power. God's immeasurable power is seen always in His Word. 
So, as Christians, we cannot think about or conceive of a Christian life that does not have God's word. There's no such thing. There's no Christian life that does not have association with God's word. So that's the importance. I'm trying to explain the importance of God's word. So that's the theory part. We need the word, love, and our will will be bent to God, toward God. God's word is his power. Practically speaking, if you are fearful, where would you turn? If you are scared about something, if you are being, let's say, I'm feeling depressed today, where would you turn? Where would you get that comfort? Where do you draw the power from God? You have to turn to His Word. There's something about reading His Word. So today, let me give you some of the practical things, suggestions for you. I normally don't do this because my fear is that some of you may nod, some of you would not care, and some of you will just, 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 that's my fear. So I don't do this normally, but let me just give you a few tips for those of you who are struggling with the persistent reading of God's Word. January, most Christians think about reading the Bible in one year. It's a good thing. But people fail. Why do people fail in daily reading plan? When you think about it, the reason why people fail in keeping up reading those Bible reading plan is because you skip the weekends and your schedules are irregular. Those are the two main things. And remember, Bible reading plan, once a year thing, always starts on January 1st. And January 1st and the first week of January, for most people, you have day off or week off. So you have some time. You start January 1st, you are at home, you take out the Bible and reading plan, and you start because you are at home. You have time, some free time. But what happens on weekends? On weekends, you wake up late, and you go out to have fun with your family and friends. So you come back on Monday. What happened? You have Friday Saturday, Sunday, and Monday reading. It is like compound interest with 400% interest rate. You skip one weekend, you're dead. <laughs> and so that, that's the reason, I think, main reason. So to help you, I thought about a couple of things. First thing is that you would download Bible app Bible app. You know, you are familiar with Bible app. When you download Bible app, it gives you all kinds of reading plans. So if you know ahead of time, weekends, you are not going to sit down anywhere. Then you have to pick a plan that skips the weekend. Very important. 
One good thing about Bible Lab, Bible reading plan is, let's say I skip Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. How am I going to, how am I going to go back and read all things? In Bible Lab, you click a button, then Friday's reading becomes your Monday reading. It automatically does that. But due date is extended. So downside for this is you'll never get this done. But it is something for you to know because not everybody has that, not everybody has used it, but I'm just giving you a tip. Bible app has all kinds of plans. Find something that works for you. There's no law that says you have to read Bible once a year. Yes, it's desirable. But find something that works for you. That's first tip for you. Second tip that I want to encourage you to have is this. So I have brought these books for you to show you in physical copy. In my own experience, the best thing that I have found and I've used in my life is this. If you go to christianbook.com and you type in daily Bible, you will find primarily two things. You will find MacArthur Daily Daily Bible and Stanley John MacArthur and Charles Stanley Daily Bible only thing that I knew in my entire life about the Bible reading plan was one of those things that in church they give out with little numbers and you cross it out and you stick it to your Bible inside and outside a few years ago some of you probably knew this, but I didn't know. And I got this Bible, not knowing what this Bible, I thought this was more like Charles Stanley Study Bible. And I got this, and it had a weird format, so I just put it up in my shelf. But what this daily Bible does is, it has each date, and it gives you variety of um, um, reading for you. So you will have Old Testament, couple of chapters, New Testament, and in between Proverbs and Psalms. So you are not simply reading five to six chapters of Genesis in the first few days or Leviticus in next week. So I found this very helpful for a few reasons. Four reasons. If I put this right in my next to my computer, I will see this Bible app. I mean, it's in the, in the computer or your phone. But it will remind you that, oh, there is the Bible that I have to read. And I don't have to push the button. And I don't have to do anything. I don't have to have any sheet, plans, nothing. So whatever the date, today's what, January 23rd. Then I will just simply go to January 23rd and read that section. And both Stanley and I have MacArthur's too. They are great. MacArthur's was a newer version, easier on your eyes and better. Um, the devotional, it was so good. Stanley is a bit old. This is NASB, and this July, uh, NASB MacArthur Daily Bible Read, Bible, uh, Daily Bible will come out this summer, the newer version. I encourage you to get this for yourself or for your children. This is the best way and you could actually keep it up. Having said this, I will say one more thing. You have to learn 
let's say if you have lost few days, you have to learn to let go of those missed days. If you don't have time, you cannot go back and reread four or five days. And if you went to some vacation for a week, spring break, you come back, there's no way. You are going to go back and catch up all the missed days. So if you miss those days, what you simply have to do is to skip those days, drop them. Because it's better to start treasure today's reading than try to go back and get stressed out and and, then give up. So many of us, including myself, have given up in the past because there's no way. There's no time for you to go back and reread 30, 40 chapters and it becomes just so stressful and people drop. You have a couple of weekends missing and a few days missed, that's when you drop. That's when people just drop the whole plan. So it is much better for you to think about, forget the past, and pick it up and read today's portion. And this will really help you go about reading God's Word persistently. For me, though, this whatever plan you have, one year, month, whatever plan that you have, over the years I have found out psychologically, once I check out those dates, I don't want to spend more time reading those sections. When I'm done, I'm done. When you have six chapters to read, when I check those marks and then I underlined it and I read it, then I close it. Psychologically, I'm done. I'm, I'm moving on. That's it. But what that robs you is that you cannot spend more time. Maybe you are different. That's why I said with understanding. You could read all you want every day for 365 and many years. Yes, you are familiarizing yourself with the Word of God, which in and of itself is a great thing. But what about those sections? You pause and think about what does that mean? Are you willing to go and find some resources to enlighten your mind about that verse? If you can, then that's great. So over the years, I have found that this, for me, is daily is okay, but to further my studies is not good for me. I just don't want to open it up and reread today's section to further search. I have drawn up my own plan. So what I am saying to you is... You don't have to follow certain things and fail and give up altogether. That's not the point. That's not important. It will set you free. Be free. Important thing is, I am taking in God's word to learn about him. I could go one chapter a day. I could read this over three years. I could simply focus on Romans for one month doesn't matter. If you are a beginner, you have never read the Bible, then yes, you have to read a couple of times at least to get this whole thing in your system. But for those of you who are advanced, make up your plans to study books that you want to study in a deeper way. Now, let's move on to the second, second section. That is, listening, remembering, applying God's preached word. And really, this is not what I am going to talk about, but I put it there. But let me read that 1 Thessalonians just because 
Some of you may not know this verse. This is Paul speaking to the church at Thessalonica, one of the oldest churches that he planted. And he says this, For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but for what, is, what it really is. What is it? It is the word of God. That's how they received Paul's and, and the team's teaching and preaching. How? In what attitude? Not as man's word, but for what it, that's the teaching of God's word, what it really is. It is the word of God. You don't have to say that I was burned once by a preacher or church that says I am God's messenger and and. And that person really came down hard on me. The abuse. But that's not something that I don't think you should worry about. That's why, for me at least, how do I preach? If you've been here for a while, I preach God's word, what is known as in a manner that is expositional, so that the word of God will be read and explained. I'm not one of those persons that you read a verse and think about and talk about all these stories and think about other things and, and it is very difficult to discern how far, how much is God's word, how much is your opinion. To protect us from that, in my tradition, you preach the word. And I say to younger brothers that you have to split the word. You have to go... So that's, it is not unusual for me to preach a word, remember, from the word, to, for us to understand, verse by verse, phrase by phrase. But that's something that you are doing, so I don't have to talk about that. But I want to talk about a couple of other things in this section. First is this. How can I help you to be a better listener and retainer of God's preached word. You could take notes and you could think about it, reread it, pre-read it, preview it, review it, and all of that. It's up to you. But I am going to just talk about just a couple of fundamentals. First thing that I want to recommend to you, all of you, is that in order for you to grow as better listener of God's word, preached word, is that you need to have systematic theology in you. Now, listen uh, carefully. If you are one of those persons that you've been going to church for a long time, uh, hearing great sermons for a long time, you have attended Bible studies, uh, fellowship groups, but you always feel like something's missing. You know what's missing in your life, in your Christian life? What you're missing is systematic theology. That's, that's something that you are missing, but you don't know what you're missing. Systematic theology is bone structure. Sermons are the flesh that you will put on that bone structure. Without systematic theology, you will feel like, I am forever listening. 
I feel like I'm growing, but not really growing. I don't know what's wrong with me. People could say you could start from easier book of the Bible. You could listen to better preacher. You could read books. No, for me, if I could suggest one thing after living my Christian life, you need to have that structure. When you build a snowman, you just don't roll your snowballs. You have to have something inside. When you have a statue, you have to have a, a something inside, the bone structure that you will put the flesh upon it and it will stay there. And that, what you're missing in your Christian life, is systematic theology. Where are you going to get the systematic theology? You could look it up, systematic theology, and you could read some of the things that, that is made and written for the lay people. And I encourage you to do that. What you're missing is not a topical discussion of a book, but something that will give you the entire structure. That's when I really grew. In my seminary life, I I think I really grew when I understood and was understanding more of systematic theology. It finally made sense. You see, Bible is a thick book. So for you to penetrate this and to read, and it is just... It all thing, it, it seems like these atoms here and there, and you don't know how to tie this thing together. What ties all these things that you hear and study, all that you bring it together and make it a necklace, that string that brings all the pearls together, is systematic theology. Remember what I said to you today. Question is, where are you going to get that systematic theology? First thing is this, is confession. Our confession has about 33, 33 chapters. Okay? So all these little topics are the bones. But in real life, I haven't really seen many churches, elders, mature Christians, young Christians. I don't know anybody who really really study this, probably because this is just so hard. But I am telling you, you could read whatever systematic theology that is out there, but this is the best systematic theology in a nutshell. My own education at Westminster Seminary was basically explanation of this thing. When I went to Westminster Seminary in 2002, I thought, Westminster Seminary produced Westminster Confession of Faith. That's how dumb I was. <laughs> and I found out it was the other way around. So if you at least left at me right now, you are blessed. You know. If you are going to do that, that's great. But realistically, not many people do that. They do not have appetite. No desire to read this kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, if you read this, you will have your bones. You will stand on your own feet. And you hear my preaching or somebody's preaching, then that will add on to that already existing structure, the, the flesh, and you will see. You will see what I'm saying. So I will add another thing is this. If you don't own Reformation Study Bible, you, you buy this. Systematic theology books. I don't know how many of you will buy and read those books. But Reformation Study Bible, Ligonier Publication, 
has articles in it. Little, little, little articles here and there that says, let's say, angels or church. Those are the systematic theology. Systematic theology basically means it is topically arranged. That's systematic. It has system of thoughts, but loci within theology. So by this, there are ESV study Bible, and there are so many of them that I own, many of them. But I always go to this first because this is Reformed theology. ESV has many perspectives in it, but Reformed theology, this is Reformed theology. So if I want to prepare a sermon, I read the text. Very first place that I go to is this, just to make sure that this is what majority of Reformers or Reformed theology say about this text. And good thing about this study Bible is that at the end, of this Bible, it has the confession in it. So it has Dort, Westminster, larger catechism, shorter catechism, and it even has London Baptist Confession that I referred to a couple of weeks ago. So do buy one. If you don't have money to buy this one, go to Tom. (laughs) Tom will buy you one. We'll spend church money to buy you one. When I planted church, I don't know, so many years ago, we bought 30, 40, 50 of these and gave everyone study Bible. Problem is, you know, they just didn't care. So study Bible would be your friend. Another thing before we go on, I just want to mention another thing is this. Um... In order for you to be a better listener and retainer of sermons or preaching, you have to have systematic theology. Go slow, buy this, and read some of the things. Really, it will help you. If you would, confession of faith, study it. If you grew up in Presbyterian church, you owe it to yourself to read this confession. Westminster Confession. But second thing, if I could add this to you, is that you have to read... One of the resolutions that I made for this year is that I will read more sermons. You know where I learned how to preach? From whom I learned how to preach? I learned how to preach like this from Jonathan Edwards by reading his sermons. Not obviously not as good, but how he selects his text, how he chops down the phrase, how he develops it, things like that. Whoa! For you, I don't know what books you have or access you have, so that's why I'm here, to recommend a few things. For me, this year, again, I picked up this book. I just want you to see it with your eyes. Have you heard about uh, Puritans? Good people. You could only get majority of Puritan books from Banner of Truth. Or Reformation Heritage Book, Joel Beakey's, two primary publications. So think, remember those names, Banner of Truth. You go banneroftruth.com.org. I don't remember which one it is. But Banner of Truth, there are any Puritan on sale you buy and you start reading. And I am, once again, decided to reread or Start again, The Glory of Christ by John Owen. This is very first volume. It is so heavy, so thick. 
But if there is a person who could show you what the glory of Christ is, it is John Owen. It is remarkable. So what am I doing? I'm opening this up every morning and reading, trying to at least try to read a chapter. A time did you know how long it takes for me to read a chapter, about 10 pages or so? Three hours. Mentally, if you spend that three hours reading this and you know, you read this and after a week you come back, you don't know what you have read. You only thing you remember is was good. So what I am doing as I read is I scan all those highlighted portions with my pen scanner. Why? Because as I read next chapter, I just read that, the summary. I don't have to go back and reread the whole thing. But you see the underlines, whatever it is, it is all in my word format. In case anybody asks me to come and talk about John Owen. Nobody is going to, but chapter by chapter. It sounds so boring, the glory of Christ. If I ask you, can you write a paragraph on the glory of Christ? You think you could do it? A paragraph. Tell me something about glory of Christ. Most people can't. But they reduce this, the glory of Christ, the very first one, into this. This is pocket Puritan paper bag. So they reduce this into this, into abridged and made easy to read. So this is Banner of Truth publication. Those little books... If you had your fathers as elders or pastors, I'm sure you have seen these things, banner of truth. As you read this kind of stuff, what happens is that your mind is enlarged as you read this doctrinally rich, biblically saturated sermons with many applications. So what you are doing is you are exercising your mind. And you read this stuff and come back and you are listening to some. It will make so much better sense. Not simply what I am saying, but you have capacity to absorb and retain the things. You are able to endure more, more hard sayings from the pulpit. Because your mind is exercised. It's like, you know, you are pumping iron. And as you do it, you tear your fiber, and as it builds back, it builds, back, builds up your muscle. It's like that too. Mind is like that too. If you have never read a Bible, ne- nothing of written, any text, and you come here and try to read, think about it. You get dizzy. So many words. And you sit here and try to listen. It is very difficult for you to do. But systematic theology in the form of our confession, and reading some of the Puritans, and I would recommend... One more thing is this. I was thinking this week, what can I recommend to you? I've recommended this over the past, I don't know, three, four years in this church. I have no doubt in my mind, if someone asks me, where can I begin? What can build me up in reading Puritans, some systematic theology, and devotion, devotional reading every day, all in one Package. Where can I begin? I recommend this book to you. It's this. Knowing Christ, Mark Jones. This is my book. I, I've passed, I don't know how many years I've been reading since becoming Christian. 
I don't think anything tops this. This is my number one recommendation to all of you. Mark Jones wrote this when he was 30-something. And J.I. Packer wrote forward acknowledging his book, Knowing God, this is sequel to it, adopting Mark Jones into Hall of Fame. It is so remarkable. You read and, and you'll be stunned. I recommend this because how can we grow our love toward our God? By knowing Christ more and better. And there is, once again, just buy. You must. You owe it to yourself. I thought about buying this and handing it out. No. Those of you who want to buy, buy with your own money and read it. And I've gifted you, some of you, but I've seen it sitting somewhere on the top shelf. So I'm not going to do that. Buy it. Buy it and read it. All kinds of stuff. And it is basically Puritan quotations he's bringing through his own preaching. I, cu I couldn't believe this whole Christ declaration, Christ dignity, Christ covenant, Christ incarnation, divinity, humanity, faith, emotions, reading, Christ reading, Christ growth, Christ face. You will thank me. But do read this. Buy this. Do a devotion. It's short. Chapter is short. But you will be surprised. And then you will understand what I am trying to say. You whet your appetite. You want more. You read this verse quoted and say, Whoa, that's the Bible verse? And you go back and open up your Bible and read it. Back and forth, back and forth. Uh, two, two things. Now, there's a third section about personal prayer, but I will stop right here today. Um, I've written down whole stuff to some practical guide for that section, but I don't know. I don't have time for that today, but maybe next time. But I hope and pray that this year you will familiarize with the Word of God. Have your Bibles open, near. Have access to it. Physical Bible. No apps. Real, physical Bible. Read a chapter. Do what you can. Read, knowing, knowing Christ. Buy it and read it. And you will understand what I've just said today. And may God continue to cause you to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. Let's pray.